0: Welcome back to the Facts About Packs. I'm Michaela Isler, PAX executive director, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host Adam Belmar. I like that we mixed it up last week with our first unplugged episode.
1: Oh, you're not the only one. Turns out the fans of the number one pack podcast in America agreed with you. Those were some good numbers, and we're proud of that. And I think we might just have to make this a regular happening, Michaela.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely game.
1: Oh, I know you are. You know, you said something on last week's show that really had me thinking. Essentially, in the parlance of Game of Thrones, you said winter is coming. And that is an uneasy economic forecast for businesses and consumers right now.
0: Yeah, you know, Adam, and just today, the consumer price index print for May hit a 40-year high again, up 1% from April. And with year-on-year increases of 8.6%, it shows the winds of inflation are very much still gusting. Those are serious headwinds for everyone's political programs.
1: Which is exactly why we thought we needed to reach out to Sharon Susson at the National Federation of Independent Business. Sharon is NFIB's Senior National Political Director. In over three decades of amazing work, she's helped to grow and develop a political and grassroots program that's among the most effective and recognized in the business community, Michaela.
0: She has. And coming up in just a minute, our conversation with Sharon Sesson about her program at NFIB and what matters most right now for your programs to be successful in November.
1: The Facts About PACs podcast is produced especially for the members of the National Association of Business Political Action Committees. In every episode, we recap this week's NAPAC activities, share actionable intelligence and best practices, all while connecting the PAC community.
0: Thanks, Adam. And if I might, uh, just kind of lay out a few of our NAPPAC activities coming up next week, Adam, we have our very popular NAPPAC roundtables on June 14th. This is where NAPPAC hosts a series of roundtables within our community so that our members can network and really learn directly from peers each quarter. And we break these down by three different types of roundtables. So check out NAPAC Connect for the time of your specific pack roundtable. Uh, as always, Adam, we break these down by pack managers, by corporations, associations with corporate members, and associations with individual members, because really we're trying to meet the needs in the moment of our members. And then rounding out the month of June, Adam, we have a great webinar on June 21st on election communications, and we will have uh, two great panelists, one from the National Association of Realtors and from Anthem to talk about their extensive programs as we lead up these last five months to the election.
1: Those are absolutely fantastic events for everyone in the community to get involved in. And I love the fact that Sharon Susson brings that association perspective.
0: Yeah, well, nice lead in there, Adam. Joining us now is longtime Packer and NFIB Senior National Political Director, Sharon Susson. Welcome to the Facts About PACS.
2: It is such a pleasure to be with you. Um, Michaela, we were just talking about how long we've known each other. We go back many years as seasoned professionals, but... First time I'm doing a podcast and I'm, I'm so grateful it's with, with you guys.
0: Well, that is awesome. We're so glad to have you with us today. And, you know, it's the height of primary season. I know you're in the thick of it here in the 2020 midterm election cycle. And Sharon, you are preparing for a hundred member fly into DC very soon. So let's talk about that. How did COVID affect NFIB's advocacy, you know, over these last two years? And and is it slowing your activity at all these days?
2: You know, I I would have to say overall, the answer to that question is no, it's not slowing down. I mean, let's let's face it. What we've gone through as a nation in the last two years, certainly as a small business community, the issues are just so incredibly important. You know, our members, like many business owners, how to survive a once in a lifetime pandemic, a shutdown, where um, how are we going to make payroll? How are we going to stay in business? And so, Those issues were just so important. We had to be at the table, right? Because where they say, if you're not at the table, you're on the menu, right? So when you have issues that were going through Congress, like the CARES Act, the PPP loans, which were so critical to the survival of small business, our activity levels increased. We did well over 100, 150 online engagement opportunities with members of Congress, state leaders, all different kinds of advocacy opportunities so members could tell their story, get information, and really, it did not slow at all.
1: So winter is coming, and a 100 of your members are also coming. What's the message about the realities of what's going on in our economy and the outlook for business on Capitol Hill for you next week?
2: You know, it's really do no harm. We feel that there's so much at stake between inflation and gas prices are hitting, hitting all of us. It's hitting our members, of course. We need a stable tax environment, try to keep some of the tax cuts that were made permanent so that members can plan. I mean, we all need certainty in our lives. Certainly, business owners need certainty.
0: Sharon, I know your members are just so lucky to have you and the entire team at NFIB who, who really leaned in the last two years and didn't slow down and kept The trains moving forward, and recognizing that they needed you probably now more than ever. Um, You know, as we as we think about all of the candidates that you you have interviewed over the years, you currently have more than thirty NFIB members serving in Congress right now. What kind of difference does it make to have people who have signed the front of a paycheck involved in policymaking?
2: You know, the the best thing I would say is that they don't need to be um, educated about the issues because they live them. We learn from them. We know, listen, we have enough lawyers and bureaucrats in Congress already, and no offense to lawyers because they're great, but we have enough. We need people with real world experience that know how tax policy and healthcare costs and um, how the inflation is affecting business owners every day because they live it. So that's what's great, is to be able to have people here who, who live it, who know it, who can be those strong advocates. You know, NFIB is the voice of small business. And the way to amplify that voice is to have people that live it. And so that's what we're always thrilled about. You know, you mentioned the ones, the members we have in Congress. I've been meeting with congressional candidates just about a hundred so far this cycle, and a good number of them are business owners. Who, again, that—that's what invigorates me, you know, to—to to know that these people are leaving their communities, want to come to Washington. You know, I say to them, "Hey, you're a business owner. You're well respected. You know, you—you you support our little leagues, our schools. You create jobs for our youth. And why do you want to come?" To Congress, right? But they do because they want to bring that real-world experience to help solve problems, to bring that approach to helping create policy that's going to be good for business owners.
1: One thing that seems really clear is that you don't have to be a small business owner to be a small business voter. And getting to the heart of that is, for many candidates, securing an endorsement from NFIB. And that is the culmination of a pretty rigorous process. Can you break down the components for everybody listening of how You all survey your own members in addition to every candidate that you're considering.
2: Sure. I mean, one thing that's unique about NFIB is we, you know, one member, one vote. And that begins with our issues. You know, we survey our members throughout the year and tell us what issues are most important. And that becomes our lobbying agenda, right? So we don't take positions on any issues that do not have that clear majority of our members. So that's very clear. So we're only going to be in in those issue buckets, if you will, of of taxes, healthcare, regulation, issues that affect all business owners, right? We're not a, a true trade association. We don't focus on an industry. So when those votes, let's say those issues come up for Congress, that's what we key vote legislators on, right? So number one, we hold them accountable, legislators. So that's, we have a voting record, you get, you know, you support us at least 70%. You're now eligible for that PAC and endorsement support. So incumbents, number one, always our goal to protect those friendly members in, in the Congress. Secondly, we look at open seats. And in a year like this, lots of open seats between redistricting and, and p- potential switch of control of Congress. That usually means some people are just going to you know, peace out. So we have um, a number of open seats. So we look at that. We interview candidates. We have a candidate questionnaire, which all non-incumbents are required to complete. And those issues again are just going to be on those top priorities for our members. We take, you know, we talk to our state colleagues. We talk to members. We do. My team does tons of research on viability and and polling and all that. You know, that we look at the the Nathan Charlie the the lists. You know, all those pundits. So we. Put together a comprehensive recommendation to our PAC committee, which is made up of a board, a committee of our national board by business owners who are guiding our engagement in elections. And then we, we also look at challenger races. Now, I know some PACs don't take do challengers. We do, because we, again, we're holding legislators accountable on those issues. And if someone's not voting for small business, now they probably go home and say that they do support small business, but we hold them accountable. And if there's a if there's a credible pro-business candidate running against them, we do not have a problem supporting a challenger against an incumbent who's not friendly.
0: Sharon, it's such a great and extensive program. I'm curious, over your 30 years of doing this, uh, particularly at NFIB, have you seen an increase in candidates rushing to the door to get your and seek your endorsement? Or has that changed a little bit over the decades? You
2: know, it... <sighs> It really hasn't. You know, we've, we meet with a lot of candidates very early on in their process. Sometimes we meet with several, like there's a congressional district right now that's an open seat. We've met with four, I think, out of the four or five of the, of the candidates running in that primary. Uh, we don't endorse typically in primaries, but we've had a chance to meet them. So we're, we're doing our own little, you know, we're able to compare again. So that's, that's a little bit unique. So we do see a lot early. Typically, they reach out to us which is nice. Again, a lot of them that are legislators know NFIB in our states already, so that's good. Or they're members or they're business owners, so they know us. So that makes that connection, you know, quite easy.
1: So as I think about delineating the side of this, where you are evaluating those candidates, holding them to account, having a member-driven structure for priorities. Take us through two things, please. One, what is it that you guys are doing to successfully engage those candidates directly with your membership? And how are you getting all this information back to those members to make sure that they are truly educated and activated to vote in November?
2: We really look at this process like a three-pronged approach. I mean, number one, we're doing that identifying the candidates, all the research that we're doing, all the, the, the meeting with the candidates, the, the research, so that we're able to say and make a recommendation, this candidate is the pro-small business candidate. So that process is being done. Secondly, we look for those engagement opportunities with candidates and our members. We have, I have a team of regional political staff that are meeting with members uh, in districts, doing public endorsement events, doing roundtables, doing things like a small business challenge where we put a candidate to work in a business, which is always fun. We have members that'll host fundraisers, that'll do a letter to the editor or an op-ed on behalf of someone. Again, that Small business owners are well-respected. So we want to capitalize on that um, and trying to put that forward, you know, and how that helps candidates. Uh, We have members that have recorded radio ads or other ads for for candidates. As we all know, there's so many different ways a a member or anyone can be a, a volunteer or support or help. We want to just give those tools that we have in our toolbox. And thirdly, and most importantly, it's about voting. We produce a voter guide, which is a state-specific mailing, a brochure that we send that in every state, it includes the pertinent voter information, when to vote, where to vote, how to vote, early vote, absentee, and those resources of how to find that information. That communication does list by name the candidates that we've endorsed, both at the state and federal level. We have over 40 or so PACs in state, in state PACs, that endorse state level candidates. So that communication, I believe it's an effective and efficient use of our resources. So our members, when they go as, and they go to vote, and we all know people wear different hats, right? You can vote as a teacher, as a mom, as a hunter, as whatever. But if you're going to vote as a business owner, here's what you need to know.
0: Sharon, I guess uh, I have two questions. You must have a a very large team. I don't know how you keep all this together. What an incredible program. But um, you know, at the top of the show, we made the illusion uh, that the idea that winter is coming. And we already know the effects of crosswinds in the political arena after the events of January 6th. But PAC directors can never lose sight of the people they represent and the mission they are meant to serve. Would you agree with that? You know I do, and listen, it's it's difficult. There's no there's no way to
2: get around it. It's being relived, you know, all, all the time, and it's there's no way to get around an issue like January sixth, right? But I think back to that time when we, as a community, a PAC community, were struggling with what to do, and I think it's really hard, but you have to remember who you represent the employees or the members that you represent. And, and sometimes that means you have to separate yourself personally or you have to really, even getting outside the beltway, it's a very different perspective. So it's always being mindful of that. And it is difficult and there's so much noise out there. We're in a very, a very hyper-partisan environment now. But that makes what we all do even so much more important, because we have to be that voice for who we represent. So many of our colleagues and friends in the community were struggling with, what's my process? What do I do now? These big issues are now jumping up. Well, you know, if you already had a process and a criteria, there wasn't much you needed to do, stick to it, stick to it. Um, But where you really, I know a lot, People struggled when they didn't have that criteria and these big, big issues came up and they didn't know how to navigate because they weren't already in that mindset of I already have my process set. So I know this is different for associations and, and corporate communications. And this this was really one of the few issues over the years that really have you know somewhat divided our community between association and corporate. Corporates were dealing with a, a bigger sense of public relations and things that had to do with their corporate leaders. Uh, for associations like ours, I mean, to be very honest, we didn't really see a drop off of engagement, a drop off of PAC support. But again, it's about the issues that we represent. You know, there was this this talk of, oh, you know, we're going to stop giving. Well, you know, it was if you recall, it was the beginning of the new Congress. No committees members were set. We didn't have to stop giving cuz quite honestly we did not start giving. So I mean I think it's always important to to have your own your own as an organization's thought process of what's good for you as as your pack and as your group to know. Hey listen we you know maybe we don't need to jump out so early with people give things time especially with a new congress give give things time to settle in where are your people where are your advocates going to be what committees what issues take some votes you know there's no harm in just waiting and letting things play out to a level that makes you comfortable with how that'll fit into your own process you know, it's hard. It's definitely hard when these issues are so, um, so important and so visible, but to really try to just keep, keep your sights on what issues matter the most to your industry, to your business all the time.
1: That is sage advice, Michaela. And it is something that we try to speak about as much as we can. And I know personally that you've spent a lot of time saying very much the same thing to everyone in the community, that the process and the intention that was there to discern the issues that are a priority for the organization or for the membership and pursuing them is always that North Star. And I think within the confines of NFIB, there's been no wavering there. They had a good process. It held tight.
0: Absolutely. Well, Sharon, we have our post-election conference coming this November. Why should everyone make a point to be there? Oh, wow. Let
2: me see. That's an easy one. That's the easiest question all day. Um, There is no question going to uh, the post-election conference at Palm Beach is one of the best events in our community one we we sorely sort of missed out on. And it's such a great opportunity to see some of your longtime friends. I'm not going to say old friends, some of your longtime friends in the community. I mean, Michaela and so many others are among my best friends I've met through NAPAC in, in my years. And so it's, it's something that, you know, I belong to a lot of other professional groups. And NAPAC is definitely one of the favorites in this event. It's just the right size. It's not these two big events where you can't really engage with people on a good level. I think the content, the programming is always top notch and we just learn from each other. And it's a great opportunity, the time of year that it is just to, you know, take a breath after a really busy year. So I would encourage everyone to make a point of being there and I know it'll be a a great time for us all to get together once again, no doubt.
0: And I think, too, to your point earlier, just getting out of the D.C. area is going to do all of us a lot of good, I think, after these two years. Well, Sharon Susson, Senior National Political Director at NFIB, thank you for being our guest on the Facts About PACs today. It's been my
2: pleasure, and I look forward to
0: seeing you around town and in Florida soon. Absolutely. And thanks to everyone downloading and sharing this podcast. Subscribe and meet us right back here next week.